humans. Hello, hello, hello. Good Sunday afternoon to you, early afternoon to you. This is Ellie Krug with Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. I am thrilled to be back uh, talking to you today. We have a great show, a great guest. Um, for my regular listeners, you know what's coming next, so just bear with me. For my new listeners, please, here we go. Here's the disclaimer or not notice or acknowledgement or whatever you want to call it. My name is Ellie Krug. I am the host of this esteemed show. For those of you who are new, you're listening and hearing what sounds like a man's voice, and that is true, and the reason for that is I'm transgender, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Woohoo! There you go. I just need to tell you that. So, Hidden Edges Radio is all about um, understanding how we are all collectively working to survive the human condition and how we all encounter these edges, some sharp, some blunt, um, that trip us up from time to time. And I have a guest today who is well familiar with how life can trip people up. Stephen Patton is here um, from... Uh, the, he is a community health specialist with um, Hennepin County who, uh, Public Health, who is here speaking primarily as a private citizen, but I'm here to talk with you about your work. Stephen, welcome to Hidden Edges Radio. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here on Hidden Edges Radio. Uh, you are a community health specialist, but what that means is you are actually doing some very interesting but very important work in our community. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So I uh, professionally am a, a community health specialist with Hennepin County and then uh, privately I'm a community member and uh, volunteer with other organizations in the community. Okay. So let's first talk about what you're doing with the county. What, uh, what is your position and, and your role? Uh, so I'm a disease intervention specialist. Uh, I do partner services notification and uh, sex education. Okay. So Explain what that means. Does this mean when people have STDs, you're the person tracking down maybe the source? Yes. So uh, whenever someone uh, tests positive for a sexually transmitted infection, uh, I, it is up to me to talk to them, um, talk about their sex life, safe sex, uh, talk about the infection, and then if they so choose, um, I'm there to help them notify their partners. Okay. And so um, what diseases are we talking about just so we can get those out on the table? Uh, so we track uh, communicable diseases, which are, uh, or the trackable communicable infections are gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, and HIV for our purposes. Okay. And so the way that it works is somebody, is it only people who test positive going through the Department of of public health or is it you know somebody going to a private clinic and they test positive say for syphilis or gonorrhea then do you do you get notice of that in some way so um, these are reportable infections um, to the health department so um, I primarily work with uh, infections that come through Hennepin County, but other private clinics and such, uh, those would be referred to the health department. And uh, disease intervention specialists from there would then handle those cases. Okay, so, so you've, got, you've got something that's bothering you. You go to your private physician. They test you. You come back positive for, God forbid, syphilis. Um, somebody makes a report to the Department of Public Health about that? Yep, the, the physician, the medical provider, would then have to report that to the health department. Okay, and then somebody from the health department will follow up with that person. Correct. Now, also, though, in Hennepin County, there's this place called the Red Door, mm -hmm. right? And can you tell us what the Red Door is? Uh, so the Red Door is the state's largest uh, SCI specialty clinic. Um, it's been around since, uh, I want to say, the late 70s. Okay. Um, and, yeah, they made... they specialize in sexual health and STI testing. All right. And so when people test positive at the red door, for example, you become then I involved. speak to them. All right. Great. And, um, I, uh, and you and I met, uh, and we'll talk about that later in the show, but you and I met when we were on a panel together talking about our coming out stories. And I don't want to out you here, but mm -hmm. I assume it's okay that we talk yep. <laughs> about being, being gay. Yes. Yep, okay. And so, um, and I want to, we'll talk about that later, but, I wanted to have you on the show because I know from the nature of your work, um, you're getting a unique window into the struggles that humans are having. Mm -hmm. And what are you, what are you finding? I mean, you're, you're, you speak to somebody who's 
been infected, somebody who now needs to be treated for an STI. And, and what do you, when you're doing that, what are you finding about that person? And then what else are you finding as, as you're tracking down other people? You know, and, and can you explain, I'm, Stephen, I'm asking you a lot of questions all at once. Can you explain, is it mandatory that somebody works with you? Um, so everything that um, I work with with a person is uh, 100% voluntary and 100% confidential. Um, I can't say anything to anybody about their specifics or um, their situation. Uh, I can only um, notify a partner or speak in very generals. I can't do anything that would identify a patient. Um, so it's very confidential and then it's 100% voluntary. So if that person doesn't want to talk to me, if there's anything they don't want to talk to me about, if they don't want my help, that is completely up to them. So the person who tests positive for an STI it's up to them whether they're going to speak to you. Correct. And if they speak to you, then your job is to go track down potential other partners to let them know that it's possible that they've been infected. Correct. All right. And if that, if the infected person decides not to speak to you, then... That's up to them. That's okay. right. All right. So those other potentially infected folks have no word about it. Uh, hopefully they're getting tested on their own um, and being proactive in their health care. Or uh, the person, the original patient, very well may just want to talk to them themselves. Okay. So, so um, all right. So that brings us to what are you finding? I mean, you've got this unique window into the lives of people. What, what are you seeing out there on the street? And I know that's a very broad question, but... Yeah, so um, there's, there's a lot um, in this job and just in my experience in the community in general. Um, so I'll kind of speak to both experiences, but here's the part where I will move from being a county employee and a health department employee and um, take that hat off and put on my community member hat um, and just speak broader um, in general. Uh, so I find that when I talk to people and I talk to them the thing is, is that being in this public's eye with that job, um, I also get a lot of people that contact me privately, that they didn't even come in. They didn't come talk to me. They aren't people who came through the clinic. I'll get people who send me a message on Facebook and say, hey, my doctor said this. What can you tell me? What should I do? Can you tell my partners for me? Like, and they'll ask, ask for my help. And so um, I, I see a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fear, a lot of stigma. Um, there's a lot of... Um, wishing that they could, um, oh, how do I put it? Uh, there's a lot of nerves and a lot of confusion and anxiety around it. All right. So when we come back from our break, I'm going to, I want to know more about what you're seeing on the street, what you're finding about people. And we want, I want to specifically talk about this stigma thing. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, we've been speaking with uh, Stephen Patton, who is a community health specialist with um, the department, the uh, public health department, about his work as um, a disease interventionist um, with STIs. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, with Hidden Edges Radio. Um, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. When we come back from our break, we'll speak more with Stephen. Thanks. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. With spring, it's car wash season. Thank goodness for the Luther Advantage program from Rudy Luther Toyota. Not only do I save 10 cents off per gallon of gas at holiday station stores, but I also get big discounts on car washes. And with free two years of maintenance with every new Toyota purchased, I can get my oil change and spring service done with the best service and maintenance department at Rudy Luther Toyota. Clear your spring checklist with great service from Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. Lawmakers are trying to pass new anti-LGBT legislation. How does this affect you? Is your family protected? Do you have the right to make medical and financial decisions for your family? Are you the legal parent to your children? If you are unsure of the answers to these questions, it is important that you call Unique Estate Law now. This is Chris Timchuk. I've worked with countless LGBT families to protect their rights. Protect your rights now at uniqueestatelaw.com or call 952-260-1806. Hidden Edges Radio. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. We're on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I haven't said that for a while. I just needed to say that. I've been speaking with Stephen Patton, who is a disease interventionist specialist with um, the County Health Department. And we've been talking about what he is finding about humans. And before we took our break, you know, you put on your, your human hat. We've taken off the official hat. And you know, I asked you what you were finding, and you started talking about stigma. And I, I, I think that that is just so important for us to hear, Stephen. So what? tell us more about that. Yeah, so um, like you said, taking off the professional hat and putting on the community member hat, um, and just in my experience in general, um, the people that I talk to and the things that I see is that uh, this doesn't know any person or class or race, I've gotten questions like, oh, I've heard that this infection affects, you know, this category of people more or less. And the reality of it is, is nobody's immune to that. I've had people who are doctors uh, themselves who have had infection. I've had people who are, uh, you know, upper class, upper middle class, and as well as people who live in poverty and people who are sex workers. Uh, but there's this stigma that if you have an STI, that something's wrong with you, that you did something bad, and uh, or that you weren't careful enough or whatever. And different STIs are passed different ways, and it's not something to be ashamed of. It's just a side effect of being a human. Well, right. And, and um, I mean, and it's about having sex. I mean, that's Essentially, we're, I mean, let's make it clear you don't get an STI from a toilet seat. Right. Okay. And having sex is a natural... It's a natural human thing to do. It is. You I mean... food, <laughs> you get in the car and drive, but nobody shames you for getting food poisoning or getting a cold or getting into a car accident. Right. But people seem to think that being human and having sex is somehow different and they want to shame you for getting the STI. And I tell everyone, wash your hands before you eat, put on your seatbelt get tested. Right. And, and tied into this idea about testing or not testing is human denial, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think that humans generally are afraid. <laughs> I talk about that a great deal in my mm -hmm. work and just ties into this thing about, well, if I don't know about it, I don't have to deal with it. Of course, you do need to deal with it eventually, right? right? What are you finding um, as it relates to, to 
um, rates of infections. What what's the most uh, prevalent um, infection, um, and and what are you finding about whether HIV is increasing or decreasing? So, um, what I've noticed personally is um, that syphilis is uh, definitely on the rise. Um, and in my experience, and from what I've noticed long before I, you know, had any clue I'd ever be working in this job, um, when I was younger, um, after I was diagnosed with HIV, um, I started using hard drugs um, because of my inability to cope and my denial. And uh, during that time, back in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, I, uh, there was also a rise in syphilis then as well. Um, what I've personally noticed myself is that there is a current rise in syphilis. And there's also an uptick in those same hard drugs that kind of dipped for a while as well. Okay. So um, it definitely is not by any stretch solely that community of people, um, but I am noticing that there is a similarity there. Um, there's a correlation. There, to, yeah, from what I can tell. Uh, okay. That is not official at all. That is not by measured by anybody no, else. That's I, just my experience from what I've noticed. Right, and, and that's um, what I'm asking. And then, um, as far as HIV, uh, new infections, um, if you look at the data that uh, MDH has put out, it's, it's public on, on their website. You can go get data dumps of STIs from So this would years. be the Minnesota Department of Health? Yes. Okay. And um, you'll notice that uh, HIV new infections have generally stabled out. Um, however, it was pointed out to me not too long ago that the population has increased. So the HIV infection rate has actually decreased because it has stayed relatively the same while the population has well, gone up. Well, we've just had so, more people born and more right. people show up in the Twin Cities or in Minnesota. Yep. Okay. So, well, that's that's a good Yep. That's good news. Yep, very helpful. You know, but the 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 syphilis thing and 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 um you know, of course is very scary mm-hmm. and, and and syphilis ultimately can kill you, yep. right? Um and so so then the other question I have for you, I'm an older person, okay? I'm a senior, 61 years old. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot of sexual activity, and, and so now no more self-disclosure listeners. Um, but what are you finding with seniors, with older people? Because I, you know, these are folks that many people partnered for a long time. They didn't never, you know, needed to worry about, in, in theory at least, about STIs, and then somebody dies, or they get divorced, or whatever, and then they're out in the market trying to meet people. What are you What are you seeing with that? Uh, everybody who's sexually active is just as susceptible as anybody else. Um, there are definitely older folks that come in um, to the clinic or that I meet in the community who test for the first time in a very long time, um, and it's unfortunate, but you know they find out that they, you know are positive for something and um, it, yeah, it can be very difficult because it's not something that they've really had to deal with for a long time if they've been partnered for a while. And then there are folks who are older who, who have definitely been through this and they, they know what's going on. They're very proactive. Um, I think that you can find a variety of differences in every generation. So we should probably talk about if you want to get tested, okay, because there's the stigma about showing up at a place to get a test. And I know that, for example, at uh, Pride Weekend, when mm-hmm. when we, you and I, and our our community takes right. o- take over Loring Park, yep. um, the Department of Public Health has this huge tent, and they're like, "Come and get tested. Come and get tested." Right, and right. that's for HIV testing, right? And syphilis. And syphilis, and um, so that's. I mean, but if you don't want to wait till Pride Weekend, how can people get tested, and how can they do it in a way where, you know, dealing with the stigma issue is um, easier. Uh, so, the Red Door Clinic, obviously, um, Clinic Five 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 in St. Paul, um, Planned Parenthood are all really great places to go get testing. Um, I know that the Red Door has sliding fee. They have uh, no cost to you, uh, with or without insurance. Um, they accept all insurances. They don't charge copays. They don't send bills to your home, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, I believe that Clinic 555 and Planned Parenthood have similar policies. I'm not sure about the copay or the bill part. Um, But going to a place like that, while you might feel like the whole world is looking at you, they're not. Um, And and 
you can be very self-conscious in that, and that's totally understandable. But everybody in there is there for the same reason. So there's that. Uh, the and everybody, thing- so I, I will tell people, I've been to the Red Door, mm-hmm. okay? And my experience at the Red Door was everybody's really welcoming. Come on in, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like they do this all day. They do this all day, every day. There's nothing you can tell them or say to them that they have not heard or seen before. There's nothing to be embarrassed about with those providers. Right. Um, and I'm sure that goes for other organizations as well um, that, do, that do this work. Uh, you can also um, get free if it's just HIV testing. You know, we're out in the community a lot. There's also like a liveness project and Minnesota AIDS project and uh, youth and AIDS project that are all out in the community a lot that you can go to. Or you can call... Or even your local disease intervention specialists will come to your house if you need a test. We will come test you um, in privacy if that's what you need. And in the end, Stephen, isn't it really about loving yourself? I mean, if you truly care about yourself, if you truly love who you are, you want to take care of this body of yours and mine because syphilis will affect your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to take care of that, right? Right. And so you... You take your car in to get it checked, you know, get the oil changed right. and all of that stuff. Well, if you're sexually active, you should be going and getting tested. And that's really what it comes down to is destigmatizing and uh, de-regulating, categorizing uh, our bodies. You know, it's really getting away from these um, ideas of, you know, uh, what it's supposed to be or what everybody else says it's supposed to be and um, and taking all of that label and all of that ownership of other people and what they have to say about your body, taking that off and owning it for yourself. Right. So this is a, a could be a whole nother show and, and we only have about a minute and a half, but I wanted to ask you, you talked about being HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about um, what's it, what stigma do you feel today? So it's a lot different than when I was younger. Um, when I was first uh, diagnosed, it was awful. Um, I how, been, how old were you at the time? Uh, I had just turned 20. Okay. And, you know, I got called dirty. I got called a lot of things. And um, it was very hard. And I would just tell people straight up front that I was positive so that they would go away right away if that's what they were going to choose to do. Um, it was very hard. And then over the course of time, when smartphones came out and studies came out on PrEP and what undetectable meant. You might need to say what PrEP is. Uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's a once-a-day pill, uh, once pill, once a, once a pill that uh, can prevent uh, the contraction of HIV. Okay. Uh, when those things came out, um, it was easier for people to, when I spoke to them, look up what PrEP was on their phone, look up what undetectable meant on their phone, look up what untransmittable was, and have a better understanding of my situation. And so it became a lot easier to to date or just be in the community or have a sex life. Um, but at the beginning, it was very difficult. There was a lot of stigma around it. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I, you know, and I, I mean, I was in the closet for a very, very long time. And I remember reading, you know, the newspaper in the early 80s about this horrible pneumonia and death rate that was occurring in San Francisco and New York among gay men. I mean, I, I go back that far. So, and I remember the stigma with that. So thank you for sharing about that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, you know, Stephen, you've done a really great job and I want you to know, uh, well, last question. Do you think that your experience about being positive helped fueled you into doing this work? Absolutely. Okay. And, and go ahead, and did it make you, I mean, you are a very uh, compassionate person. I mean, you just struck me the first moment I met you about that. Having that experience made me feel like if, if that experience uh, could help other people who go through it, uh, then maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe there's a reason. Give it some sort of, take the power from it and be empowered by it and help other people with it. And it's all in the end about surviving the human condition, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> and we just do these things to ourselves, and we don't need to, do we? No. Nope. It's, it's everybody else's rules. You don't, you don't have to follow them. Well, Stephen, uh, I've really appreciated you coming in and, and speaking with me today. Um, this is a topic that we could probably 
I've done a live show for and have people call in. Maybe I will have you back sometime, you know, to do that. But I've been speaking with uh, Stephen Patton, who is a, a community health specialist with the public health department, talking about both some work with him wearing his hat, but also mainly about what it means to be a human. So, Stephen, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, um, uh, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, interviewing Stephen Patton. When we come back, I will uh, do my odds and ends ones and one and two and human and human segments. If you like what you hear, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. I love hearing from our listeners. I don't hear from you nearly enough. And um, I'll be back in a minute. Thanks so very much. Bye. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Spur your imagination at Stages Theatre Company with the steampunk dance-inspired musical, The Nightingale. You will be charmed by the reimagining of Hans Christian Andersen's classic fairy tale as a whirlwind of mayhem when a watchmaker's mechanical bird creates a frenzy in the Mayor's Festival of Progress. A delightfully contagious tune turns into a comical clatter as they yearn for the original Nightingale's songs of natural beauty. Enjoy the journey as the town learns to find balance between technological progress and the healing music of the real Nightingale. This world premiere musical is told through original music and is the sixth collaboration with Escalate Dance. It features ballet, tap, jazz, contemporary, and folk-centric dancing and choreography. The Nightingale runs March 9th to the 25th and will be loved by all ages. For ticket information, visit stagestheater.org. While shopping for a fireplace insert at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, I was amazed at all the choices. Not just gas, electric, or wood burning, but also built-in or freestanding, and options in every style from antique to modern. The staff really listened to us, explained the options, and helped us choose a fireplace we absolutely love. Now it warms our hearts and our home every winter. Thank you, Woodland Stoves, for a great addition. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, putting in a word for the EPA BurnWise campaign. It has important information about clean burn fireplaces. This is an important part of our mission at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. We know that the fireplace has to work. Work with your life, work with your living space, and also be environmentally smart. Come see us. Learn to burn wise. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Visit our store in person or online at woodlandstoves.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Moe's Tax Service on Ford Parkway in St. Paul has been preparing tax returns since 1971. They're one of the most successful independently owned tax services in the country with a diverse team of highly trained and screened tax preparation experts. Tax laws and forms are always changing, and you need someone who is a dedicated tax preparation professional. Visit www.moestax.com. That's M-O-H-S tax.com. Or give them a call, 612-721-2026. Most Tax Service, they work for you, not the IRS. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 45. Monday, mostly cloudy with a high near 41. And Tuesday, chance of snow, cloudy with a high near 36. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com restaurant of the week is Our Kitchen. Our Kitchen serves some of the most delicious comfort food around. Their family-owned diner-style restaurant has been located at 36 between Eldridge and Bryant for over 76 years. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Hidden Edges Radio. Hello, everyone, again. I've been um, just mulling over some of the things that Stephen Patton said. What a great um, interview. And, and I really, I really uh, think I will bring him back sometime for a live show because I think that a lot of people have questions about this. And 
the great thing is you can call in and you can be anonymous when you call in. How do you like that? So we'll see. Today's odds and ends. So I have odds and ends one and two, and both involve kids. So by now, um, odds and end one, here you go. By now, many have heard word of the official portraits of former President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama that they were unveiled in February. Um, and uh, the paintings now hang at the National Gallery in Washington. They're, um, and the, by the way, the National Gallery is free if you ever decide to go there. Um, in in her painting, Michelle Obama is pictured sitting in a flowery, black, and flow, flowing, excuse me, I can't even read my writing, flowing black and white dress. And she was painted, that portrait was painted by Baltimore or, artist Amy Sherald. Um, recently, there was a photograph um, that surfaced of a little two-year-old African-American girl standing in front of Michelle Obama's picture. And that little girl had a look of awe. Um, as reported by the Baltimore Sun, by Brittany uh, Brito, a man named Ben Hines snapped the picture of two-year-old Parker Curry standing in a pink um, parka with rain boots, just with that look of awe. Hines reported that mom wanted Parker to turn around so she could get a picture of Parker in front of, of the painting of Michelle Obama. But Parker wouldn't turn around. She was starstruck. She was, she, she could not move because the picture so kept her attention. And Parker's mom later said, quote, as a female and as a girl of color, it's really important that I show her referring to Parker, people who look like her that are doing amazing things and are making histories so that she knows she can do it, period, unquote. Now, after that picture surfaced, um, another picture surfaced, and this one of Michelle, Michelle Obama actually dancing with Parker in her Washington, D.C. office. So, obviously, uh, Michelle Obama saw pic uh, Parker's picture, um, saw the picture of Parker standing in front of the portrait, had somebody from her office reach out to uh, Parker's mom and got Parker to go visit Michelle Obama at her office. So then there's a picture of Michelle and the little girl dancing in Michelle's office. And I, I bring all of this up. And by the way, if you want to find this picture, if, you've not, if you're not the one of the three million people that have already seen it, seen it all you have to do is Google Photo of girl staring in awe at Michelle Obama portrait. Um, just Google that phrase and the photo will come up. Now, why do I tell you about this? Why is this part of um, my show? Other than I think that it's incredibly cute. <clears throat> it's part of the show because this is the America that we want. It is the America where we want to inspire little kids. Where we want to give them some kind of prize, something to hang on to, to give them hope um, of a promise for a, an America that includes them, an America where they are capable of actually doing what it is that they're capable of doing, that they have the potential for it. And so I thought it was important to share about that. Odds and then number two um, is also about kids. And it's about a national public radio report that came out, a uh, story that came out on March 5th, um, as reported by um, uh, Anya Kamenetz, um, which is a story about a survey of, um, 4, 000, of excuse me, of 1,054 kids ages 9 to 11, asking them about attitudes. The survey was commissioned uh, by, of all um, places, the Cartoon Network. And among the key findings of the survey was that a large majority, 77% of these 9 to 11, years old, 11 year old kids reported witnessing bullying at some point. 
One in five kids admitted to being a bully. Now think about the self-honesty that that took. That one in five would admit bullying someone else. I bet you the number is, of course, much higher. And that only 14% of the kids strongly agreed that our nation's leaders model how to treat people with kindness. Nine out of ten agreed that adults in their lives, particularly parents and teachers, set good examples on behavior. But only 46% of these 9 to 11-year-olds said that adults in government do good modeling. And there are other findings. 14% of the kids said um, that they were bullied many times. 64% of these kids, however, said that they had tried to help a kid from being bullied. So think about this. You have two-thirds of these kids who were surveyed who had witnessed bullying who said that they tried to do something about it. Now, that says something wonderful about our children. And it also says something about what I call our empathetic hearts that we are, um, that we are hardwired for. And eight out of ten of the kids surveyed went out of their way to do something kind to another kid who was having a, a tough time. Um, you know, uh, and, they, and they found also that girls, kids of color, kids from low-income um, backgrounds were more likely to help kids going through a tough time um, and uh, as compared to kids from upper-class families or kids from majority race. Now, as I said a second ago, it is, about, it is about our empathetic hearts. We are all wired for empathy. We are. I, we're, I, we are born with it. It, it. it just is automatic. But it's driven out of us in many ways, or it's overlain by a curtain of fear by what society teaches us. You know, and what this survey reveals is that it is so incredibly important that children have role models in their lives who are modeling kindness and what I call allyship, that is standing up for other people, that when children see this in their lives, they incorporate it into their psyche and they also become kind people. But when society teaches them that it's okay to be afraid or society teaches them that a, a, a possible alternative to seeing somebody being bullied or hurt is to just simply ignore it, then kids are learning that modeling, that kind of modeling is teaching them to not be empathetic. And so I, I continue in my work to talk about the need for us to be good mentors to kids. Oh my God about the need for great sponsorship of children and what this survey, and I tell, uh, go find it, Cartoon Network survey of 9 to 11-year-olds, go find it and read about it um, and um, think about what modeling you're doing for children in your life. When we come back from our break, I will do the last segment, Human is Human. Thanks so very much. You've been listening to me, Elite Krug. Are your parents aging and needing help with their affairs? Are you handling their financial accounts? Should they put you on the title to their bank accounts or home? Does a trust make sense? If you are unsure of the answers to any of these questions, call Unique Estate Law now. This is Chris Timchuk, and you can have confidence knowing that whether your situation is simple or complex, protecting your family is my first concern. Find me at uniqueestatelaw.com or call 952-260-1806. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. 
I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. On Hidden Edges Radio, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, uh, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Big deal. Um, that and $3.43. Wait, nope, they increased the price. That and $3.53 at Caribou will get you a cup of hot chocolate. Um, human is Human is my last segment of my regular shows uh, where I, you know, talk about something uh, that really strikes me. And what I want to talk about today is kind of along the themes of something good coming out of a tragedy. You know, how many times do we hear that phrase? Yeah, it was horrible, but boy, something good came out of it. I'm not a big believer in that idea because I'm really not a big believer in having tragedy at the beginning of anything. However, I'm also a realist and we do have our tragedies. And sometimes we have horrible tragedies um, sometimes those tragedies produce good. And I want to talk about one of those. So this is uh, something in keeping with that theme. Now, many of my listeners right now are very familiar with the police-involved shooting of Philando Castile that happened in July of 2016. After that shooting, well, hold on, I better back up. Philando Castile... Um, was a cafeteria uh, um, employee. He was a nutrition specialist at the J.J. Hill Montessori School in St. Paul. He was well-loved by uh, his students. And um, those students suffered a great deal after his uh, shooting, and, and certainly our community suffered as well. And, um, and there was an idea hatched after his death about um, paying off the student lunch debt at that school, at the J.J. Hill Montessori School. Now, listeners who have been following me on this show and who are readers of my newsletter, my monthly newsletter, The Ripple, will remember that several months ago I wrote about lunch shaming. And what is lunch shaming? Because I had never heard about it before I read about it. And what lunch shaming was, was that across America, right now, across America, there are school districts that uh, refuse to allow children to have lunch if they don't have their lunch money. Now, we know that many, many schools are subsidized lunch uh, by uh, the federal government. Thank God that program exists. But still, the parents need to pay something uh, towards those lunches 
Uh, in many instances, not always, sometimes lunches are entirely free. But then there are other instances where you have low-income families or even middle-income families where the lunch money didn't get to the school or whatever. Some of these school districts don't allow the children to eat. Or other school districts allow them to eat, but stigmatize them for doing it. So one school district uh, required that a, a, a student wear a band on his, his or her wrist and that band, they needed to take that home to remind mom or dad that they needed to pay the uh, lunch bill. And what it turned out was that the students were being stigmatized by fellow students who were having the band on the, you know, on their wrist. I mean, remember, humans are really good at grouping and labeling for whatever reason. And so there is this concept of lunch shaming um, that I exists. And it is a, just yet another way that we make children feel inferior. So, with that introduction, with that background, after uh, Philandro, Philando Castile's death, um, uh, there was the idea that maybe they would raise $5,000 to help pay off the student debt, student lunch debt at J.J. Hill Montessori School in St. Paul. They created a fund, the Philando Feeds the Children Fund. And again, the, the goal was $5,000. But humans, being who they are, once you allow them to open their empathetic hearts, once you tell them, here's how you can exercise your empathy, um, that $5,000 was quickly um, surpassed. And as money came in, as more money than the goal came in, the goals changed. And as reported in the Star Tribune on March 5th by Aaron Adler, eventually the... Philando Feeds the Children Fund raised $155,000. And so then the idea became, uh, why don't we apply that $155,000 to the student lunch debt at all 56 schools of the St. Paul School District? Now, to get to that $155,000, 4,000 people donated online. Let me just say that again. 4,000 people donated to the Philando Feeds the Children Fund. Um, nearly 70% uh, of St. Paul's 37,000 school students qualify for free or reduced lunches. Typically, at any one point in time, approximately 2,400, 2,500 students end up owing lunch money um, at the end of the year. So the idea was, okay, we've taken care of J.J. Hill. Let's go to the other 36 schools, excuse me, 55 schools in the St. Paul School District. And you know what? That's exactly what they did. They applied the other, the, the remainder of the $155,000 to the lunch debt for all 56 schools, and they paid it off. They paid the debt off. The organizer of the initiative, Pamela Fergus, who is an instructor at Metro State, now says she doesn't want to stop there. She's raised the online goal for the Philando Feeds the Children Fund to $999,099. Apparently, you can't get to a million. They, it's, not pot, it's not allowable to ask for a million, but you can ask for a dollar less. And that is her goal now. And her goal now is to cover the entire state, the lunch debt of every student in Minnesota. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine um, if there, I, I, I'm positive there is lunch shaming going on in Minnesota in one or more school districts. Can you imagine getting the debt erased and at least taking care of of that category of shaming, of grouping and labeling, just erasing it. I think that that's just so incredibly important. And what, again, as I said, this proves, as, as I've talked about, that we all have our compassionate, empathetic hearts, but many of us don't know how to use them, or we're afraid to use them, or we think it's too much to use them. And when people give the pathway on how to use that heart, how to do that, people will show up. Do you remember my show of, I don't know, eight or 10, 12 weeks ago where I had the folks on who'd put together breakfast with dads down in Dallas where they 
where 150 boys didn't have father figures in their lives for this breakfast. They put a shout out and 600 step-in dads showed up at this school. 600. This is during a, a work day and the morning of a work day. Again, it's just you give us the pathway. You, you teach us how to use our empathetic hearts and we will do it because that's because humans are hardwired for empathy. As I like to say, 99% of us are good. 1% total sociopath, but the other 99% of us want to do the right thing. For your information, the Philando Feeds the Children Fund was not the only good thing to come out of his tragic death. The city of Falcon Heights, that was the location of the shooting, which devastated that community, energized to come together. And via the State Bureau of Mediation Services, engaged in a series of community conversations. I know this firsthand because I was there for some of those conversations. Those conversations, in part, took the form of talking circles. So I either sat in or helped lead several talking circles in Falcon Heights where we had people of all colors and all of all class range sitting in a circle, 8 to 10 to 12 people in a circle, talking about how Philando's death had impacted them, but more importantly, well, I mean, of course, that's very important, but as importantly, speaking about what it means to be other, quote-unquote, other in our society, speaking about what it feels like to be marginalized by the police or neighbors, and speaking about ways to make the community stronger and um, more inclusive. The purpose of those talks in Falcon Heights, again, another good thing coming out of a tragedy. The purpose was to promote healing and reconciliation. And I'm there to attest. I watched. I heard people. I saw people cry. I heard their words spoken from their heart. And unfortunately, I don't think any of that would have happened had the tragedy with Philando not occurred, which in my, in my world makes my heart hurt to even say that, because we should be doing those things without tragedies as the impetus. We should be erasing the lunch debt for children without having some kind of a tragedy as being the thing that causes that to happen. Why is it that it's a tragedy that causes us, that has to be the thing that gets us to act. Why? Why do we have to wait for that? Why can we not be using your, our imagination? Why can we not be using our energy to do good things because they are the right things to do? I think I have to leave you on that. Sorry. So you've been listening to me. Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world with Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. If you've enjoyed the show, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. A big thanks to our sponsors, the engineering firm of Mashad Cooley Erickson, the law firm of Zaylor Stout & Associates, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis in St. Paul. Tell Bev um, that I sent you. Um, we need sponsors. I'd love to hear uh, from more sponsors. I'd love to hear from you. I will see you next week. Take care and be well. Thank you. Bye-bye.